Our scripture today comes from Luke, chapter 1, verses 57 through 66. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, None of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And all of them were amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue freed, and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through the entire hill country of Judea. And who heard them pondered them, all who heard them pondered them, and said, What then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. How did you get your name? Do you know? Did your parents ever tell you the story? Our scripture today is about naming, choosing just the right name. I am Amy Elizabeth. Amy, a pretty popular name in the mid-70s, but chosen in part because my parents, Kenneth and Elizabeth, had so many nicknames as kids they wanted to spare their children the same burden. So we got one-syllable names, Chad, Amy. Little did they know that people still give nicknames to people with short names. They just add syllables to them instead, right? So Chadwick, Chadley, Amos, Amster. Or for like 10 or 12 years, people got tired of so many Amys around me, they just called me Lipholt. Anyway, Amy Elizabeth, Elizabeth for my mother, which is a tremendous name, a beautiful name, a biblical name, the name of the woman in scripture that helps us start our Advent journey today toward Christmas. I wonder, does your name carry with it family traditions, a sense of history? If your name doesn't, I, I bet there are other things around you as we enter the Christmas season that do. What, what have you encountered this week or what will you encounter in the week to come that carries with it a sense of the past, that helps you remember those who have helped you get to today? Was there a special recipe on your Thanksgiving table or something that you're going to bake in the weeks to come? Are there decorations that have come from the hands of a loved one? Maybe stockings on the fireplace made by a grandmother or an ornament gifted by an uncle who's now gone. Or if your home growing up was not the happiest place, maybe you have a sense of history and tradition that comes this time of year from someplace else, like a song that always brought you peace on hard days. Or some church or some stranger that showed you kindness when times were tough. This is the time of year when we remember, when we cherish the past, when we try to hold on to all the best of what we've been given from our ancestors, even as we chart our way forward in the future. As we've been talking about, all worship today starts the season of Advent. It's a special season together in the life of the church as we prepare ourselves for the celebration of Christmas. Together we wait and watch and wonder about the good things that God has done out of God's love for us. 
I think it's likely that your social media, like mine, over this weekend was a mix from pictures of Thanksgiving, dinners, to lots of pictures of Christmas decorations going up. The pandemic has people staying at home, and so it's giving us the chance to get our lights up and our tree out and all things decorated in anticipation of Christmas. And I, for one, I am all for it. Let's do it. I can't tell you how happy it made me to walk into church yesterday and see everything decorated, all our Advent decorations up, the trees, the wreath, the beautiful altar, the Advent candles. It really lifted my spirits to know that we are plunging into this season with all the sparkle that we can manage, even when we know it's not going to be quite the Advent that we would want. I mean, we're still in a pandemic, of course. We still have so many around us struggling with illness, mourning death, dealing with economic hardship, worrying about the future. So much around us is still unsettled, and we, each of us, are still having to make hard choices every week about how to navigate this pandemic safely. There's plenty of hard all around us, which is exactly the kind of situation in which the Christmas message thrives. This is actually a moment that the Christmas message was made for. This is a season about light in the darkness. It's about reclaiming the promises of hope and joy and love and peace. It's about hearing God's good news for all people, this amazing news that God doesn't abandon us, God saves us. And the harder the world around us, the more brightly that message has the chance to shine. So anyway, I'm ready for it. I am ready for Advent. I am ready for Christmas. Let's go. I hope you're ready too. This Advent season, we're going to be using a small book to undergird our worship themes. It's called The Light of the World, and it's by a professor named Amy Jill Levine. She's a professor of New Testament at Vanderbilt Divinity School, and she's a tremendous scholar and writer. It's not a long book, but she packs into it so much information about the scriptures that tell the Christmas story. In a normal year, we'd have some small groups in the church doing book studies with the book, but this is not a normal year. But I do want to encourage you, though, if you're interested, to get a copy of the book. It's called Light of the World, Amy Jill Levine. Get a copy and read along as we move toward Christmas. I'll put a link in the next week's trumpet to the book. It's about 10 bucks for an e-version on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. So Dr. Levine, or AJ as her students call her, starts the story of Christmas at the same place that the Gospel of Luke starts the story, and that is with two old people named Zachariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was cousin to Mary, the scripture tells us, and we don't really know what that means in terms of their relationship. They were just part of the same extended family, but they were not part of the same generation. Mary was a young woman when she got pregnant with Jesus, but just a few months prior to that, Elizabeth became pregnant with baby John the Baptist, but that was also her first child. Well, the difference was Elizabeth was an old woman long past the age of bearing children. In fact, she was so old that her husband, when he first heard she was pregnant, he didn't believe it, which was a problem because he heard it from an angel. Zechariah was a priest, 
And it just so happened that on that particular day, among his section of priests, his name was drawn to offer the incense at the altar of incense in the temple in Jerusalem. And this was a really big honor. It would maybe only happen a few times in a priest's whole life. So Zechariah went to the temple to do his job. And while he was there at the altar of incense, the angel Gabriel showed up with this amazing news that Zechariah's wife Elizabeth was going to have a baby boy and Zechariah should name him John. The angel had some other amazing predictions to make about the baby, what he would do, how he would help his people. See, the baby was a promise from God, a gift from God, like all babies are, but this baby even more so because this baby was going to prepare the way for an even bigger gift the gift of Jesus. Now, Dr. Levine points out to us that Elizabeth and Zechariah, they represent the older generation. And through them, we see how deeply the story of Christmas is connected to the promises of the Hebrew Bible. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they represent the long faithfulness of God to Israel. How in this moment of Christmas, God is not doing something radically new as much as continuing on doing what God does. Elizabeth and Zechariah, they represent our connection to the past, our communal memory. She tells us that the name Zechariah comes from a Hebrew root word that means remember. And when you stick the Yah at the end, that's for Yahweh. So the name means God remembers. And she reminds us that memory is a trait of the biblical God. God remembers. Already following the flood, clear back in Genesis, God promises Noah and to all humanity, I will remember the covenant between me and you and every living being among all creatures. And following that in scripture, we can see all these points where God remembers. She tells us also in Judaism, Dr. Levine is Jewish. She says in Judaism, Yitzkor, which is from that same root word as Zechariah, it's a service that's held four times a year in which Jews recall family members, friends, the six million killed in the Shoah, which is what Jews call the Holocaust. She says, or we remember more recent shootings in synagogues like in Pittsburgh and Poway. The service, the Yitzkor service, is not simply one of commemoration. She says, we also pledge to honor that memory by giving to charity and doing works of righteousness. And that way, the name of the deceased can be a blessing. So Dr. Levine is reminding us that memory is a gift. It is the way the past serves and empowers the present. Our memories give us strength. They remind us of God's faithfulness. They allow us to look to the future with hope. Okay, back to the story in Luke. When he heard the news from the angel, Zechariah was amazed, to be sure, so amazed that he asked for some proof. He said, how will I know that this is so? For I'm an old man, and my wife is getting on in years. Isn't that nice? He doesn't call her old, just says she's getting on in years. Well, the angel did not take very kindly to Zechariah's response. I guess when an angel shows up at your side and says, don't be afraid, and then gives you good news, what you're supposed to say is, well, thank you very much. That's wonderful. Instead, Zechariah's skepticism doesn't go over well. And the angel answers him, I am Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to you to bring you this good news, but now because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, 
until the day these things occur. And Zechariah was left unable to talk. Poor Elizabeth. That's all I have to say. Not only was she pregnant at a very advanced age, she had a husband who all of a sudden couldn't speak. Maybe at moments that was a blessing for her. I don't know. But overall, I'd have to think it was a pretty big pain. The nine months go by. Elizabeth delivers her baby boy. He's healthy. The family's overjoyed. The time comes for him to be circumcised and named on the eighth day. And when they ask the name for the child, Elizabeth says, his name is John. And nobody believes her. It's so rude of the crowd. <laughs> they say, no one in your family is named John. And why would you choose this name? So they appeal to Zechariah, the guy who hasn't spoken for nine months. He still can't speak. So he asks for a tablet and he writes, his name is John. And suddenly his forced silence is ended. Zechariah's mouth is open and he sings this beautiful song of praise to God. A song that echoes the promises made to him earlier by the angel. It seems that that nine months without speaking helped Zechariah reflect on the goodness and the power of the message. It helped him believe in what would come. Back when Zechariah saw the angel in the temple, the text says that he was afraid. Dr. Levine says the sense of the Greek word is that he was shaken up. And then she goes on to say that this sense of being shaken up, that this is Advent good news. She says Christmas should be more than putting up the tree and wrapping the presents. It should give birth to something that shakes up the routine, something that gets us to see the world otherwise. That shaking up is what it means to follow Jesus, to love one's enemies like Jesus asks us to do. She says that's scary. To take up one's cross, like Jesus asks us to do, that's terrifying. Yet at the same time, Luke reminds us there's this legacy that carries us forward, a promise that God will remember the covenant and bring about eternal justice. Now, Dr. Levine wrote her book before we were living in a global pandemic. And as I was reading her say, Christmas should give birth to something that shakes up the routine, something that gets us to see the world otherwise, I thought, well, we didn't have to work very hard for that this year, did we? The world shook it up for us. Even if you have not been touched directly by COVID, your life has been altered. Simply the fact that we're not all sitting here in the sanctuary together is proof of that. But I think that this being shaken up actually gives us a chance to focus on and to hear the good news of Christmas like never before. It gives us a chance to cherish the baby Jesus and all the hope he represents because we are in such need of hope these days. It gives us the chance to treasure God's promises, to lean on them as our one firm foundation because we've seen how unstable and how shaky everything around us can become. I'm really thankful for the witness of Zechariah and Elizabeth, for the chance we have here at the beginning of Advent to remember our older generation, how they have carried forward for us the promises of God. I mean, think back to the ones that you were remembering at the start of this sermon, the ones who gave you your name, 
or the ones who handed down Christmas traditions to you, the ones who taught you what this season is all about. Think of all the Christmases that they lived through in their lifetimes. Some were easy and merry and bright. Some were overshadowed by war or by grief or by poverty or by pain. They handed on to us a celebration able to withstand the ups and downs of the world. They gave to us this gift of good news so powerful that it can shine the bright light of God's love even in the deepest dark. This week, I want to invite you to do some remembering of your own, of your own Zacharias and Elizabeths. Say thanks for the ones that have gone before, the ones who carried forward the promises of God to you. Say thanks for the gift of Christmas and prepare your hearts for all that is to come. Amen.